good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. It's good to be back with you. I was last week at First Church uh, helping to dedicate our pastor's son, and uh, I think we have a picture of him. There we are. There we are. Has no hair. He and I love one another. <laughs> Keeps his tongue stuck out all the time, so he must be going to be a preacher. Uh, so it's good to be back with you, and I thank the bishop for filling in for me uh, last week uh, while, while I was, was gone. We are in a series called in, Let Us Encourage One Another, and today we're going to talk about what does an encourager look like. And we are going to use the model of Barnabas as our model of what an encourager looks like. And if we can take what we learn from Barnabas and put it into practice, the Burlington Baptist Church will be the most encouraging place in, in, uh, in uh, Boone County. So let's pray and uh, we will get into it. Father, we bow before you today as empty vessels waiting to be filled. And may we be filled with a sense of your presence May we be filled with the touch of your spirit. May we be filled with a new energy to serve you. And may we be filled with trust and faith in you. Empower us as we worship. And then enable us to impact our community for Jesus. Now pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today. Give each of us just the message you want us to hear, because we pray to you in the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. Barnabas was the greatest encourager in the New Testament. His name is called Son of Encouragement, and Barney's motto was up with people, and Barney went to bat for people that nobody else would go to bat for. What Barnabas did, he spotted a potential rocket for God, lit their fuse, and he did not care how high they soared even above him. Barnabas' passion was to find people that needed a boost, put them on the launching pad for God, and let them soar. Now, I want to show you from his life what an encourager does, what an encourager looks like, and from his life, how that we can put these principles into practice at Burlington Baptist Church. The first one is this. Share what you have with the needy. If you want to be an encourager, share what you have with the needy. Look at uh, Acts, the fourth chapter. For instance, there was Joseph. Now, Joseph was his real name. Joseph was his real name. The one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas which means son of encouragement. He was of the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles for those in need. Barnabas shared what he had with the needy. Now let me tell you what was going on in Jerusalem and why the church was in such dire circumstances. The church in Jerusalem had just begun, and when the church began and these Jews started becoming Christians, then, then the, the rabbis 
told their congregations, do not do any business with these Jews who have become Christians. They even kicked their kids out of school. So because of that, the early church in Jerusalem was in dire circumstances because when they accepted Jesus as Messiah, converted from Judaism to Christianity, they started suffering financially. So what were they to do? Well, the church in Jerusalem responded with a radical attitude of generosity. That church valued their new community and their new faith more than they valued their possessions. And so the Christians at the first church in Jerusalem started selling houses and fields and property, and they would bring it to the apostles so it could meet the needs of those Christians that were having a tough time. (coughs) Now, it is in this context that we first meet Barnabas. He had a field, he sold it, he gave the money to the apostles to meet the needs of those that were in dire circumstances. John Stott, in his commentary on Acts, says, It was an act of liberality, full in keeping with Barnabas' character. Now, look at the screen. Encouragement is meeting someone at their point of need and doing whatever it takes to get them on their feet. I want you to read that with me. This is what encouragement is. If you think encouragement is just nice little phrases, have a blessed day. You know, we Christians, we don't say have a nice day. We say have a blessed day. Makes it sound so spiritual. You know, uh, or have a nice day. No, no, no. You've missed the whole point of the series. Here's what encouragement is. Read it with me. Encouragement is meeting someone at their point of need and doing whatever it takes to get them on their feet. There was a family that was having supper, and the father was praying the blessing, and he prayed for the family across the street. The husband had been out of work for several weeks, and here winter was coming, and the kids needed winter clothes, and they needed new winter coats, and and certainly they would need money for their utility bills. And uh, so the father prayed, Father, bless our neighbors. We asked you to provide winter clothes and winter coats for the kids. Provide the money that they will need to keep their house warm this winter. At the conclusion of the prayer, his little son said, Daddy, give me your wallet. I'll go across the street and answer your prayer for you myself. (laughs) Barnabas would have opened his wallet. He would have bought winter clothes. He would have bought winter coats. He would have given money for the utilities. He would have bought groceries for that family. So how can we be a Barnabas? Share with those who are needy. Now, folks, I think that dollar box out there is a wonderful idea. And you Baptist stole it from the Christian church. It's not your idea. You stole it from us. And uh, you stole it from Southland Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm going to steal it back and take it to First Church. It's a wonderful idea. It's a wonderful idea. Amazing stuff that's done with just one dollar. That's a marvelous idea. Share what you have with the needy. Now, if you want to be an encourager like Barnabas, speak up with those with a bad past. Speak up with those with a bad past. Now, folks, Saul of Tarsus 
was the number one enemy of the church. And here he accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And because of Paul's bad past, he had a problem with the church accepting him. And it was no wonder. Look what happens in Acts 9. When Saul arrived, that's Paul, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas bought him, then Barnabas bought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. And he also told them how Saul had preached boldly in the, in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Now, folks, you cannot blame the early Christians for being afraid of Saul. That would be like Bin Laden joining the church. Paul had seen many of their friends put in prison and carried off to jail, and they never saw them again. And now years later, he shows up claiming to be a Christian. He wants on the inner circle of the leadership. And I guarantee you, I would have been afraid of him too. But good old Barnabas, good old Barney, he comes along beside the apostle Paul and he speaks up for Paul. And I am sure that the leaders of the church drew him aside and said, Barnabas, are you nuts? Are you crazy? He killed our friends. He killed our family. But Barnabas believed what Paul would write later in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, read it with me out loud. He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Now, the church owes Barnabas a great debt for having the courage to stand up for the Apostle Paul. Encouragers go to bat with Christians with a bad past. I wonder how many Pauls have been lost to the church because there was not a Barnabas that would stand up for them. Folks, the Christian community, when we welcome converts, even with a bad past, we have to, it, it is our joy to accept them. Accepting someone with a bad past I believe, is one of the most important encouragements that we can do as a church. Now, it is important for anyone coming to Burlington Baptist Church to hear and be demonstrated to them that they matter to God, and even if they've had a bad past and have become a convert, they are welcome, even with a bad past. So, encouragers... Speak up for those who've had a bad past. Now, speak up or share with what you have with the needy. Speak up with those of the bad past. And then this one, next one is really, really on the cutting edge. Encourage the church to have a bold vision. Barnabas encouraged the church to have a bold vision. Let me read, read it to you. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution of after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. 
They preached the word of God, but only to the Jews. But look what happened. However, some believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. These Gentiles are pagans. They are heathens. And the power of the Lord was with them, and large numbers of the Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Now, this upset the church at Jerusalem. Here are these pagans coming into the church. And here we are, we're, we're, this is our church. And here these pagans are coming into the church. So this is what they did. When the church at Jerusalem heard what happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in the faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Now, the text proves that the church is growing geographically. It's reaching other borders. It is also growing numerically. It is also growing culturally. And it is also growing racially. Antioch was a great church. Antioch was the first integrated church in Christianity. Accepting these pagan Gentiles into the church, as I said, presented a problem for the church leaders at Jerusalem. They were still hung up on this Jewish idea. And the church, to its credit, sends a man who has a great reputation of looking for the best, good old Barney. And when Barnabas got there and he saw all these pagans coming into the church, he said, man, this is a God thing. Keep it up. This is an evidence of God's grace. And he encouraged them to continue to reach out to the, to the Gentiles. And you know, because they were lost people. And Barnabas said, keep it up. Keep it up. Their motives were pure. Their heart was right. Bring them into the church. Now, Barnabas encouraged the church to have a bold vision. vision. And, and I, I hope, I hope that I could encourage us to do the same. You know, I've been living in, Berlin, in Boone County now for 46 years. And the people of Boone County have finally decided I'm going to stay. I'm not going to leave. So they're accepting me. And so I've been living here for 46 years. Those of us who've been living here that long have seen in the last 15 years, maybe 10 to 15 years, how our, how our county has changed culturally and racially. We are different than we were when I came here 46 years ago. And if I don't really see, I don't, and I, I don't be mean, but I don't really see a lot of our churches in Boone County reaching out to those who are culturally different from us and racially different from us. So folks, if we want to be the church that God wants us to be, I challenge us to have a bold vision to reach out to those who are culturally and racially different from us. Number four, promote a colleague with superior abilities. I want to show you what Barnabas did. 
Promote a colleague with superior abilities. Barnabas was serving a dynamic church. The church at Antioch was a kind of church that any pastor would like to serve. Growing. And what does Barnabas do? He gets someone who is better than him to serve with him. Look what he did. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch so that for a while, for a year, whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Now, you cannot help but admire Barnabas' humility in wanting to share this dynamic ministry with the Apostle Paul. He realized God had called Paul to be the Apostle to the Gentiles. He goes and finds him in Tarsus. He persuades him to come to Antioch to help him evangelize the Gentiles, the pagans. Now, Barnabas knew what would happen. (laughs) Barnabas knew exactly what had happened. Paul was one of the greatest theologians of his time, still is. One of the great preachers of his time, one of the great teachers of his time. He was a firebrand for evangelism and, and, uh, and reaching the unchurched and the lost. Now, folks, you don't bring a person like the Apostle Paul into your community and into your church without expecting him to make a few headlines. That would be like, <laughs> that would be like me bringing Chuck Swindoll here or David Jeremiah, or Rick Warren, or Charles Stanley. In a few days, you'd be saying, L.D. who? Barnabas knew for a few days, it'll be Barnabas and Paul, but for the rest of his life, it would be Paul and Barnabas, and that is exactly what happened. But as God blessed the ministry of Barnabas. He did not demand top billing with the Apostle Paul. He quietly stepped aside and assisted Paul in doing his work. There was no competition, only encouragement of a servant's heart. Now, I saw this fleshed out by one of my mentors, Dr. Floyd Clark. I think we got his picture. This is Dr. Floyd Clark. Long-time academic dean at Johnson University. It was Johnson Bible College when I went there. In February of 1968, Dr. R.M. Bell, who had been the president of Johnson for 27 years, died suddenly. At the time of Dr. Bell's death, Dr. Clark had been the academic dean at Johnson for 24 years. It was just a given that Dr. Clark would be the next president of Johnson University. A year later, when the trustees announced the man they had selected as the president of Johnson University, all of us just expected that day that it would be Dr. Clark. It wasn't. It wasn't. The new president was a young man who was 33 years old, Professor Dr. David Eubanks, outstanding scholar, 
outstanding preacher. He's 84 years old and can still preach circles around us. He is more like Jesus than any man that I have ever met on earth. He really is. He really is. My friend Wayne Smith at Southland used to say, Campbell, can you ever, can you ever believe that Dr. Eubanks would sin? I just don't believe he's capable of sinning. Now, here is the twist. David Eubanks grew up in First Christian Church in Maryville, Tennessee, where Dr. Clark was the pastor for 23 years. Dr. Clark was Dr. Eubanks' pastor when he grew up. Now, Dr. Eubanks' father was not a churchman, and every Sunday... Dr. and Mrs. Clark would go get the Eubanks family, David and his sister and his mother, and bring them to church at First Christian. Dr. Clark helped direct Dr. David Eubanks to the ministry and to roll, enroll as a student at Johnson. At his funeral, at Dr. Clark's funeral, Dr. Eubanks said, Dr. Clark never gave me a choice. He just said, you're going to Johnson and study for the ministry. He never gave him a choice. David Eubanks who was Dr. Clark's son in the faith, now becomes Dr. Clark's student. After Dr. Eubanks graduated, got his master's degree, and started working on his doctorate at the University of Tennessee, Dr. Bell hired him as a professor. Now stay with me. David Eubanks, as a professor now answers to Dr. Clark, who is the academic dean. I was there when David Eubanks was inaugurated as the fifth president of Johnson University. Dr. Clark was the moderator of the service, and he also was the speaker. In that service, Dr. Clark watched his son in the faith become the president of Johnson University, the position that every one of us, most of the alumni thought that he would occupy. Now get this. For the next 10 years, Dr. Floyd Clark would answer to Dr. David Eubanks, this kid that who grew up in his church, who he went to church, drove by his house every Sunday and brought him to church, his student, and now he was Dr. Clark's boss. When the inauguration service was over, Dr. Eubanks led the academic procession out. Dr. Clark walked behind him in the academic procession Something that he would do for the next 10 years. He would walk behind his son in the faith in the academic procession at the college. And when I saw that, I thought, Floyd Clark is a big, big, big man. In 2007, Dr. Eubanks retired as our president. He had served our college for 49 years, 38 of them as our president. 
Under his leadership, the college experienced remarkable growth in every area. One day at the college, I was there for homecoming, and I ended up at the table with Dr. Clark. And I said to him, I said, Dr. Clark, let me ask you. I said, when David Eubanks was growing up, what did you see in him? I mean, did you ever expect this? He said, oh, yes, yes. He said, he, Dr. Dr. Clark always called me son. He said, son, David Eubanks, as a young man, had superior abilities and qualities. And it does not surprise me a bit at what he's done at the university. Dr. Clark willingly stepped aside to let his son in the faith, who had these superior abilities, scholar, man, what a scholar, what a preacher, and what personality. He could raise money for the college like nobody else. And we trust he's loved him because he could. But he knew this young kid had these superior abilities, and he was willing to step aside and let him shine. Now, I really feel like that's my role at First Church now. Our, our, our pastor, Darren Moranti, is an exceptionally gifted young man. He is an exceptionally gifted preacher and leader, and he is as authentic and real as anybody you've ever met. He came to us when he was just an intern, not even 20 years old. He served First Church now for 18 years, and now he's our pastor. And we worked together all of those years, and I grew to love him as a son. And now I am more than willing to step aside and let his superior abilities shine. And I tell, his, I tell, I tell him, outside your wife and your mother, I'm your biggest cheerleader, buddy. I'm your biggest cheerleader. You see, encouragement can't thrive where there is competition and jealousy. It just cannot thrive. An encourager has to subdue pride and jealousy and envy and enjoy seeing one he encourages get more attention and get more shine than he might. So to be a Barnabas, to be a Barnabas... We must encourage a coworker sometimes who has this superior ability to shine and us just step aside. And not many are willing to do that. Not many are willing to do that at all. All right, let's do a little review. I, I, I was doing the Upwards devotion the other day, and the, and, and the man who was doing the time clock, I don't know what his name was, he said, Eldie, I love your reviews. He said, I love your reviews. You have all this information, then you stop and you let us get our breath. I said, yeah, and look at your watch and see how long you've got to stay. So he said, no, keep up the reviews. It really helps me. So let's do a review before we get to the last point, all right? If we want to be Barnabases, if we want to make this place a place of encouragement, we've got to do it. How do we do it? Share what you have with the needy. If there is a person who comes into this place and is converted to Jesus Christ and has a bad past, speak up for that person who has a bad past. 
Challenge the church. Challenge the church to have a bold vision. To reach out to those who are culturally different from us and who are racially different from us. And I don't see many churches in Boone County doing that. And then number five, create a place for those who need a second chance. Create a place for those who need a second chance. Look at Acts 15. I'm going to read this from the Good News Bible. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in every town where we preach the word of the Lord and let us find out how they're getting along. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. But Paul did not think it was right to take him because he had not stayed with them to the end of their mission. But he had turned back and left them in Pamphylia. Listen to this. There was a sharp disagreement. This is a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Sharp disagreement. They separated. Barnabas took Mark, sailed off for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the care of the Lord's grace. Mark, on the first missionary journey, absolutely, as a missionary apprentice, blew it. He could not take it. He failed. And he went back home to Mama. Barnabas was such an encourager. He would not even let the great apostle Paul keep him from encouraging John Mark. Even if it meant separating from his dear friend and his fellow missionary. He would not allow that. I'm going to speak up for John Mark. Paul, if it takes us separating to do that, I'm going to separate to do it. Now, see, an encourager can see what people can be if they just get on the launching pad. And Barnabas was right about John Mark. John Mark more than vindicated himself. In fact, not long before the apostle Paul died, he said to Timothy, send John Mark to me. Mark had become an encourager of the apostle Paul. Where do you think he learned the art of encouragement? It was Mark's record of Peter's sermon and ministry that became the gospel of Mark. Now think about it. Think about it. We would have lost, if Barnabas had not encouraged John Mark, had not been willing to stand up to the apostle Paul in order to do it, we would not have a record of Paul of, of Peter's ministry or his sermons. The gospel of Mark is a record of Peter's ministry and his ministry. See, folks, Barnabas was a model of what we've been talking about in this series. A model of encouragement that we should try to be. Now, you know, if we had the opportunity to ask Barnabas, Barnabas, why in the world are you such an encourager? I think he would say, I encourage people because people matter 
to God. And that tragedy, that is a rare, that's a rare breed, a rare breed. I believe Barnabas encouraged because people mattered to God, and God mattered to Barnabas. Barnabas was serving God by encouraging people. Encouragement was Barnabas' ministry to God. See, his devotion to God influenced his personal value system. Now you say, well, I'm going to be more positive now. I'm going to be more optimistic now. I'm going to say nice things to people now. But I'm just not buying into this thing about God. (laughs) You won't be an encourager. You won't be an encourager. I've told you before, God's got some weird children. God's got some strange kids. God, <laughs> they are. When Peter says, called us peculiar people, he was right. He was right. God's got some peculiar people. It's a sad thing. There are a lot of Christians. They aren't friendly. They're moody. They're negative. They're pessimistic. They're hard to love. And we, to have a motivation to encourage those unlovely people, we have to have a relationship with God. Does that make sense? You will never do right by people until you are right with God. Does that make sense? Barnabas lived as he did because of the God that he served. And we aren't aware of any scripture Barnabas wrote. We have no record of any sermon that he preached. Isn't that amazing? But here was a man who laid down his life for people. And here's the deal. The people that he touched, the people that Barnabas touched, have touched all of us. Have touched all of us. I have a question for you. Look at your life this past week. Ask yourself, was I an encourager? Let your life run through the corridors of your mind this past week. And then just ask yourself, was I an encourager? Let's pray. Father, we make a bold request this morning that you put us in a situation with a person or persons that we can come along beside of and encourage them. Give us the words to say. Give us the loving touch. Give us the look in the eyes that say to that person, you matter to God and you matter to me. So please answer this prayer. We pray it in the bold name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're giving you an opportunity to do that just now. Come down and confess him, accept him in your life as Lord and Savior. Choose him as your Lord and Savior today. Don't go away from here unsaved. Go away from here saved, forgiven, hope in heaven. What a deal, what a deal. And Jesus did it all for you because he died for you and your sins on Calvary's tree. If you would like communion, if you'll just come to the communion stations while we're singing and serve yourself, you're welcome to come to communion. If you would like somebody to pray with you, just come down front. And uh, the pastors will be here. We'll be here. We'll help you pray.
These are the decisions we're asking you to make today. Let's stand and sing. He is jealous for me. He loves like a Thank you. 